Welcome everybody back to the IBJ Black Rose podcast. We got a very special guest with us today. Um, we're very excited for this episode. So, like usual, we're going to go over the mission statement before we get into anything else. The IBJ mission, the purpose of the Institute of Black Justice is to relentlessly pursue equity and justice for all. The IBJ mission is threefold, to be an advocate for fairness and equity, to be an accelerator of the justice system's transformation, and to be an accomplice to credible social justice influencers in the communities they serve. The EPA pledge or the EPA pledge, um, it is a symbol for law and justice and is currently represented in the IBJ's present logo. The two interlocking chains links in the forearm of the fist or the EPA symbol. When we ask people to make an EPA pledge, we are asking them to make a pledge to advance freedom, equity, and justice. Um, so that gets into a little bit of our logo and like how it's incorporated in what we do. Uh, the pledge that we have on our website, if you look on the IBJ website, um, it says, I believe in the dignity of all people and in the principles of equity and justice for all. Two, I recognize and activate myself as a powerful agent of change, capable of evolving my own attitudes and behaviors, and equally capable of influencing the attitudes and behaviors of others. Third, I use my voice, my pen, my position, my vote to hold public and private leaders accountable for equity and justice in their policies and procedures. And lastly, I commit a portion of my time, my talent, and my treasures to pursue to the pursuit of justice and with no exceptions. Um, today, we'll be talking about the Alliance for Gun and Responsibility with our friend Ryan that has come on the podcast with us. Like, Hello, everybody that's listening and um, just tuned in on the website. Um, I'm Kalia, one of the co-hosts. And yeah, I hope everybody's just having a great day. I appreciate Ryan for coming on here and just sharing his knowledge and, you know, informing everybody that does listen to the podcast. But um, today's overview, the Alliance for Gun Responsibility is a 501c3 organization located in Seattle, Washington. The Alliance works to save lives and eliminate the harms caused by gun, gun violence in every community through advocacy, education, and partnerships. We have the special opportunity to sit today and hear from Ryan Guzman. I'm not sure how to say the middle name. I apologize. <laughs> but, um, Ryan Guzman, Alliance for Gun Responsibilities Community, Community Engagement Director. Hey, Hi, it's Ryan Dishkuzman. <laughs> You're good. You're very close. <laughs> say, say it for me again. Say Ryan Dishkuzman. Ryan, there you go. We got it perfect. I got it. I got it. first. Yes, sir. Thank Thanks you for, for coming me. today. Man, okay. Yeah. Thank you for the clarification on the name. We definitely want to give respect to you always. Make sure we get your name right. So I appreciate that. Because that's one thing people mess up about us too often. And be <laughs> okay with it. So we, we appreciate that. Totally. Introduce yourself, your role. Um maybe why you love the work you do yeah. uh, gets you up to do it. And um, you could even mention like how the Alliance was like formed um, and created um, and what drew you to it. Yeah. So I, um, I'm a social worker. This is my background. I have a master's in social work from uh, the university of Washington. And um, I, my previous work has all been uh, in working with families, especially families experiencing trauma um, and when work specifically working with children, um, and what got me originally into this work is, you know, the, the fact that the number one cause of preventable death amongst children are guns. Um, that's the reality of, of our country. That's the reality of what we've been experiencing here in, in Washington State. And for me, that's just unacceptable. Um, and I wanted to be involved in an organization that was 
directly trying to do something about it. Um, and that's how I, I landed on the Alliance. The Alliance started because uh, of a response to the Sandy Hook shooting in 2013. It's a group of concerned citizens who did not, you know, wanted something to change. They did not want to keep the whole, like, you know, just thoughts and prayers and nothing else type of mentality and wanted to switch it to, hey, you know, we need actual policy action here and we need to create change. Um, and so since then, it was, uh, you know, they started out with a few initiatives, voter initiatives, because originally a lot of elected officials didn't totally believe in the work we were doing and they weren't convinced that it was popular. So we brought, you know, votes to the people and they said, yes, it, you know, this is popular. We do want safe communities. We do want responsible gun ownership in Washington state. Um, and that proved to elected officials that like, hey, like there is uh, a majority of Washingtonians that believe um, in gun responsibility, that believe in creating safe communities. And since then, it's been about pushing uh, during every legislative cycle, like we're, like what we're in right now, to make sure that there are constantly uh, policy, there's constantly policy and there's constantly bills being put forward that make our communities safer. Um, and so that's really kind of what is at the heart of what the Alliance does is making sure that we have policies that are keeping keeping people safe. But you know, for me and myself, it's about making sure that children are safe, that children grow up in in safe schools, uh, that they do not have to worry about their, you know, that they can, they don't have to worry about their own personal safety when they go to school. School can be a safe place for them. They can grow up to be healthy, strong adults. Um, I want that for every child in this state. Um, and unfortunately, you know, many kids grow up with the fear of a, you know, the fear of of dying from a, a gun death at their school in their communities. That should not be the reality for our children here in Washington. And so that's that's why I'm passionate in this work is because yeah, kids should deserve to grow up um, it, in safety um, and in community. Um, and and sadly enough, too many kids don't in this state. So that that's why I'm passionate about doing this work. Absolutely, I heard you. I think kids should be kids, be allowed to be kids without fear of losing their life. You know what I'm saying? Um, even the drills that we'll have at times, like I feel like at more at a lot of the times, it's not even about preventative measures. It's like how do we deal with it when it's expected to come? Where I think where your organization steps in and the work that you do comes in is disabling the root of the problem. So I think that's beautiful. Um, and with that, I'm curious to know, like, what are some victories that you guys have had, and what has made them special for you guys? Yeah, so we've had um, uh, we've had quite a few victories over the years, but most specifically, you know, this past year, um, we had uh, we got the assault weapons ban passed. So that was a big a big deal for us and a really big fight and goal uh, for us to get to to get through. Um, and so that that was that was a big deal. And going forward, you know, right now what we're working through is uh, legislation to really strengthen what we have um, now. So like a lot of of, and I can kind of go through kind of what we're working on now and kind of like how how we're trying to to move forward right now we're in the legislative session like right in the middle of it um it ends on March 7th so it's like you know right now we had that we had that success of that assault weapons ban but there's still a lot more to go and I think a lot of folks go okay well that that's it right like that's the policy that's good it's like no there's so many things still that still need to be strengthened um and one of those is like one is one of our bills is around reporting lost or stolen firearms so most crimes in the state um, are committed with a lost or stolen firearm. 
And so what this does is it makes sure that if someone has a firearm, if they own that firearm and they realize it's lost or stolen, they have 24 hours to report it as stolen. So that way it's easier to track um, these weapons. Uh, the other one is like dealer accountability. So a lot of uh, gun dealers, uh, they're called FFLs in the state. They don't have um, they, they don't have a lot of restrictions around them that people might think that they do. You know, they don't have uh, that. There's not a lot of requirements around cameras or having the right insurance or store even storing their guns properly right now. There's a lot of loose regulations. So what this does is it makes sure that they are following through uh, with keeping. Uh, firearms safe, that they are, you know, actually regula being regulated properly um, so that guns are kept safe uh, that are in their care and that they have the right security provisions. Another one is mandating that the Washington State Patrol uh, destroy confiscated firearms. And so what a lot of people don't know is that like a lot of uh, a lot of police departments and law enforcement uh, uh, departments across the country um, you know, people are familiar with buyback programs, but they don't realize that not a lot of uh, police departments are required to actually destroy the firearms so they can come back into the general market. What this does, it says the Washington State Patrol has to physically destroy those firearms and make sure that they come out of the private market. They're not there anymore and that they are actually destroyed the way the public expects them to be destroyed. Um, and then the, the the last one that we really push that we're that is really you know we're really pushing to get past this year is risk based restrictions for sensitive places. This is making sure that community spaces um, are free of guns. Um, it's a start. We you know there had we wanted it to be more inclusive of a lot of spaces like parks, but those things got got removed. So we're using this as a start to like a bigger conversation around risk you know risk based restrictions in sensitive places especially places where kids are convening right and like where their kids and families we want to make sure that those are safe spaces so we're using that bill as a way to to kind of expand the reach of that and make sure that we are creating really safe communities that's kind of like an overview of what we're currently working on and then in the future we want to do like permit to purchase which is something that like having a permit to purchase a gun prevents a lot of suicides you see a reduction in suicides when that's passed um, a ban on uh, uh, reducing bulk weapon, weapons purchases. So what that means is like right now you can buy pretty much as many weapons as you as you would want in Washington State. This would limit people to purchasing one firearm a month because bulk weapons purchases, if people have a lot of weapons, they tend to lose track of them. And again, those like they, if, if you lose track of guns, it typically go into, you know, the black market that can be used for crimes. Another one is medical Medicaid reimbursement for hospital uh, based uh, violence intervention programs. Uh, this is really important because if like, let's say, you know, so, uh, somebody experiences gun violence, it's really important to have some trauma-informed care right there in the hospital to kind of make sure that that person has the support needed and necessary. Um, and, but those programs can't get paid back for, for Medicaid. Um, which means that they have to go out of pocket, which means their programs are really expensive. So this would allow them to be reimbursed by Medicaid and really grow out those programs so that people are getting support really early on um, when they're experiencing the, the, uh, the trauma of gun violence. Um, so that's kind of like an overview of what we've been working on right now. So it's like, it's kind of this mentality of, yeah, you know, we, we look back and we try to celebrate the successes we had like last year and the things we've gone, got, you know, gotten past but we're always looking forward to what still needs to happen and what's still not there. And so that's what we're pushing, pushing for right now.
amazing what you've been able to do and what you're fighting to do i really love that especially <clears throat> the piece about medicaid and i definitely would want you to talk a little bit more about that about why it's important because um from what i'm seeing and hearing about i don't think many people think about that like the people who witness or are around gun violence or you know who are even in it like having the mental health resources after the incident um but i would love to like hear your thoughts or opinions about how you guys cultivated that this was something that needed to be addressed yeah, I think that's a great question. So like one of the big things that um, that we try to support is around community violence intervention. And what we know about, you know, a lot of people talk about, when they talk about public safety, they'll jump to talking about gangs, right? And street level violence. But really what we know from research is that it really is interpersonal violence. It's one where when that, that, community-based violence, that street-level violence, when it's happening, it tends to be by, between two people who know each other and have some type of history. And the programs that work are ones that intervene really early in that escalation of violence and interrupt it really early with a trained, trauma-informed practitioner who can give them support in the long term. Because when people have what they need for their mental health, or when they have basic resources, um, when they're getting their needs met, they're far less likely to to react in that way. Okay, first question we'll get into is what kind of community organizations do you guys partner with? Um, yeah, it's a great question. So the Alliance for Gun Responsibility, uh, what we do is we span the city of Washington kind of working in policy and advocacy around gun violence prevention. Um, and a big part of that work is making sure that there are community agencies and organizations at every level, uh, both at local and at the state level, uh, that are doing this work um, because it, gun violence affects every single community. So if we're going to combat it, we have to go further than just things like assault weapons bans, right? Like that's what we just got passed last year, which is great, it does a lot, and we think keeps people safe. But in order for these laws to actually work, you have to have really dedicated providers in community working with on the ground in neighborhoods, in communities, in schools, um, in hospitals, in every place that people are in order to really interrupt violence, to really make sure that people have what they need, um, to make sure that uh, folks are living in really safe and healthy communities. So that takes you know a lot of dedication from a lot of really dedicated people. And what the Alliance does is works to partner with community organizations to make sure, one, that they have the funding that they need, two, that they have the support that they need, and three, you know, that they have the policies that they need. They We really need elected officials to be accountable to the people, and a big way to do that is by having really strong advocates. So the Alliance is all about building that advocacy, building community providers so that they are creating safe and healthy communities. It's a big task, but it's an important one because we want to see, you know, we want to get to that point where we have zero gun deaths in, in Washington. Um, and that really takes every community um, and takes a lot of really dedicated providers. So it's about us making sure that we, you know, hold elected officials uh, accountable um, to what they say they're going to do and then making sure that our communities have what they need to be to be safe, healthy communities. For sure, I appreciate that. Um, and I love the goal of like having no community deaths because that should be the main goal of what we're doing here because we are dealing with people's lives. Um, so that's kind of like an overview of what 
we've been working on right now. So it's like, it's kind of this mentality of, yeah, you know, we, we look back and we try to celebrate the successes we had like last year and the things we've gone, got, you know, gotten past, but we're always looking forward of what still needs to happen and what's still not there. And so that's what we're pushing, pushing for right now. Amazing. What you've been able to do and what you're fighting to do. I really love that, especially <clears throat> the piece about Medicaid. And I definitely would want you to talk a little bit more about that, about why it's important. Because um, from what I'm seeing and hearing about, I don't think many people think about that. Like the people who witness or are around gun violence or, you know, who are even in it, like having the mental health resources after the incident. Um, but I would love to like hear your thoughts or opinions about how you guys cultivated that this was something that needed to be addressed? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So like one of the big things that um, that we try to support is around community violence intervention. And what we know about, you know, a lot of people talk about, when they talk about public safety, they'll jump to talking about gangs, right? And street level violence. But really what we know from research is that it really is interpersonal violence. It's one where when that, that community-based violence, that street-level violence, when it's happening, it tends to be by, between two people who know each other and have some type of history. And the programs that work are ones that intervene really early in that escalation of violence and interrupt it really early with a trained, trauma-informed practitioner who can give them support in the long term. Because when people have what they need for their mental health, or when they have basic resources, um, when they're getting their needs met, they're far less likely to, to react in that way. And, and another thing too, is like a lot of the community violence happens, it happens with young people who are really just reaching out for support. When you live in a community where you have little power or support from others, you are gonna find adverse ways to react, which sometimes leads to things like gun violence. When you live in a community where people are responsive to your needs, you have a community that fully supports you, then, then that's what helps to make sure that that truly helps to make sure that violence is reduced. So those programs that are in hospitals and clinics in communities that are doing that outreach work and making sure that folks have um, a trained professional working with them, have community resource officers that are getting them things like housing and food supports, building careers for them. These are the programs that, that actually build communities that reduce violence, um, but they struggle to make ends meet these programs and these organizations and they need support and funding. And so one, you know, one of the ways to do that is to make sure that they can afford to keep uh, their mental health providers on, on staff and that that's where Medicaid reimbursement can really come in and help. But there's other ways too that are, that are there, there are other policy needs that are needed to make sure that these programs stay in place because they're really uh, they're really desperately needed. And it comes with that shift of not just thinking of, like I mentioned before, it's like, you know, so weapon bans are great, but they're not enough. There there's needs, things need to happen on every level. Um, and one of those is like really thinking about gun violence as a public health issue that needs a public health approach. And so that's why having like these Medicaid reimbursements and, and hospital-based uh, programs, but also just community-based programs are really important and, and necessary. Absolutely. I think it's because it becomes so normalized. Like, I think that's a lot of what um, you're speaking to um, right now, um, why policy change is only one part of it. Um, so I think about breaking down stigma within the community about like not only taking it seriously, but taking care of yourself after the event. And then also seeing it as a public problem that we all should be addressing, not just interpersonal conflicts that happen between like 
certain people over here, certain people over there. Because like you said, it has a bigger impact on everybody, like the safety of your children at school, the safety in your community, the safety of yourself. Um, and one very cool thing that I think I even learned today, I didn't realize so many deaths were due to like firearms that have just been found um, are discarded, you know what I'm saying, and picked up. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, if you were to say like, some of the reasons why you feel like gun violence arises in our community. Um, if you were to list off like a couple, maybe two or three, what would those be? Yeah, I think one, it's the, there's just so many guns. And when um, you allow for so many guns to be so readily available, I think that uh, that creates a problem, especially when you don't fully educate, especially young people on on uh the risks of guns the risks of 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 having a gun owning a gun like we don't talk enough about that i mean i think one of the big things is like the so the number one cause of death by firearm in uh in washington state is suicide um and we don't we don't have a lot of supports in terms of talking through uh suicide prevention when it doesn't you know when there's a gun in the home and working with people around like how what does gun safety look like hey you know if you own like i understand like when people say like hey uh this is why i own a gun almost every single time it's because it's like i want to protect myself because i don't feel safe in my community i don't trust my you know i don't, I don't trust that police will keep me safe i can understand from that perspective for some folks why they feel that way but i think also it's like when someone's making that decision you have to weigh that with the risks of it as well. I know from data that like you're more likely to commit suicide or a family member is more likely to commit suicide if you have a gun in the home. You're, you're, um, a, fa you're a family member or yourself are more likely to get injured by your own gun than you are to protect yourself with your own gun. That's, that's just what the data shows us and we know to be true. So it's like, hey, if you're like when you're making that decision and that and you're taking on that risk, what are what are you fully thinking about? Are you keeping that gun safe? Do you have a good lockbox? Do you have you do what is your gun storage? Like we want folks to not only think about this, but also we want policies to make sure that gun owners are fully responsible. Yeah. That's really, really important. Like we have to have like that knowledge for folks so that they are understanding because just there's so many guns in communities. We have to start having folks really think seriously about why guns are existing in their communities and how to be safe around them. Um, so that I think that's really, uh, really important. And two, we have to make sure that people live and feel like they live in safe communities where they don't feel like they need to, to have a gun to keep themselves safe. People need to feel safe in their communities. And that's really important too. Um, if people feel safe and have their needs met, they, in my opinion, there, there'd be no reason for them to even think about doing that, right? So I think those are the things that I think about why why guns are so prevalent um, and the ways that we can kind of move past that. We have to create communities that have that have safety and we have to create communities for people um, are are looking at the risks and if they are owning a gun, be, being fully responsible with it. Right. I heard that, Ryan. We are down to our five minute mark. You know, we will appreciate it if you were to come back and just continue you know, filling us with the knowledge that you do have. But um, I, I just have one last, it's really a, it's a question, but it's really just um, trying to figure out how does one get involved? Like if we wanted to come and support any of the current things that you guys have going on, how would a, somebody, a community um, 
civilian get involved or just participate with what you guys have going on? Yeah, so our website is uh, gunresponsibility.org, and there's multiple ways to get involved. We have lots of groups of folks that come uh, to Olympia to really just visually show like support for for our bills and policies. Um, we have events that happen with a bunch of community providers. Uh, so, you know, you can subscribe to our newsletter and get that that information. And then it's also an election year. So we're really focused on making sure that candidates get elected that are really focused on gun safety um, and are really, really take this issue seriously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd encourage folks to um, to get that information from us and subscribe, but also just be curious as town halls show up, as people come knocking on your door saying, I have this candidate, ask them like, what is, what is your candidate doing for gun safety? What are mm-hmm. they doing to make sure that there's more mental health providers in schools? Uh, what are they doing, you know, what are they doing to create uh, safe communities? Do they support um, my local community violence intervention or like these type of things and some of the things I've mentioned just ask them those simple questions that puts pressure on them too to really take this issue seriously um, and really take community safety seriously yes yes sir that was beautifully put together mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you very much Ryan for coming through Our friend Ryan really came through today and uh shared a lot with us I, I want to say that IBJ fully supports you and all your missions and shares it with you because I feel like bringing down the violence in our community, creating more safety, um, and just having people live more joyful, safe lives is something that we all can support. So thank you so much, Ryan, for coming through to here. For everybody listening, please go to the gunresponsibility.org, learn more about it, get involved, and make sure to vote this year because it is a voting year. Um, Thank you for coming. Thank you, everybody, and everybody have a blessed night.